All right, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Decipio Bears podcast. I'm Andy. I'm joined by Kyle Morris and Mike Donahue. And we actually have a Bears win, I think, to talk about. I'm not sure. Did it actually, is it really over? Is there? Let me, let me look at those standings because I still don't believe what I saw. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, I, I once saw the game that they won with an overtime safety against the Titans. Yeah. I remember that. And Urlacher, Urlacher nearly bled to death on the field. So I can't ever. Oh, 2004. Nice try, though. Four. Oh, um, I was off by a year. Was that Craig, okay? Yeah. It, was Craig, it was a Craig Krenzel game, not a not a uh, Kyle Wharton game. So it was 2004. Who got gotcha. the sack? So I, don't think, I, can, was it the, I can see him, but I can't. Yep. Oh. I don't remember who it was. Kyle? Was it – it wasn't Alex Brown. It was – It was before Goonley too, right? No, Goonley was on the 2014, but he was hurt. I don't think he was in that game. Well, shouldn't ask a question I can't actually answer. Well, you got anyway. two other geeks here that are usually pretty good at Yeah, I was counting on you bailing me out. Anyway, sorry. I just did a whole cup yeah. podcast by myself, for God's sakes. <laughs> Yeah, you anyway, so I can never call anything the, I really don't think I can ever call anything the ugliest Bears win of my lifetime when that happened, but <laughs> this, was, this was definitely in the ugliest. And I actually have a great stat about ugly Bears wins that Good. I did want to share today. So Please do. Okay, so Mitch Trubisky averaged 4.4 adjusted yards per pass in in that game. So I I, go, I I used Pro Football Reference's handy dandy play index, and I, and I said because because I was like you know I don't think that's the ugliest game I've seen a Bears quarterback have and still win. I think the gold standard for that is still Rex against the Cardinals and uh, yeah. Rick, My- Rick Meyer against the Rams in '97. Did he did he win that game? Yeah, well, if you want if you want to call getting two turnovers inside the fifteen and handing the ball off about nine times so you can screw yourself out of a draft pick, then yes. They did. Yeah. So, so anyways, I went back and so there've been 129 games in my life where the bears. So I, so I went all the way back to 1988, if you want me to age myself. And, uh, and so in that time period, there've been 129 bears games where the quarterback has averaged 4.4 adjusted yards per attempt or less. And they've won 31 of that, that 129. So I, th- I think that's like a, a 240. Yeah, it's 24% winning. You know, they've won about 24% of the time. And I was like, you know, that's actually probably pretty good. So I ran the numbers for the rest of the NFL in that time period. And the league, minus the Bears, only wins a game like that about 16% of the time. <laughs> so, so our franchise really is the best when it comes to winning with no contribution whatsoever. Cornered the it's market. A, on that. That's our that's brand. Not that's not just anecdotal. Like we, we, we actually can claim that. I would be hard pressed to think anyone's done better with uglier passing stats. Did you happen to pull out any games other than the two we suggest? <laughs> um, I mean, cre- so I, I, I did. I did do the threshold of, of a minimum of twenty passes. Because I think that rules out uh, Todd Collins in 2010 
against the Panthers. I remember. Um, which might have been the ugliest effort yeah. ever win. Did he also have like four a, picks or something? Rex had a couple in 2006 that really just – there wasn't just the Cardinals game. There was the, the Vikings game where he had a passer mm. rating of zero. But he did and, hit Rasheed Davis late in the end zone when it counted. So no, that was the first. No, that was that was the game in Minnesota. The game at Soldier Field, he had a zero passer rating. Oh, and they still won. God. And still won mostly thanks to Devin Hester. Yeah. I think had returned two that game. That's yeah. right. So or Hester returned had a had a punt return for a touchdown, and I think Ricky Manning Jr. had a pick six. Oh, nice. So you yeah. know that's so the that, Manning that's the Manning brother you never hear about. It's all Peyton, Eli, even Cooper gets it, but then poor little Ricky, they never talk about him. Right, as long as you're not eating at Denny's. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, since we mentioned since we mentioned Eli, who who just got benched this week, uh, it's time to start the Daniel Jones era. Yeah. And, uh, my favorite stat, actually, th- this week isn't that bear stats. It's that Eli Manning, if assuming he never starts again for the Giants, you know, they don't go back to him. He will end his Giants career with a one loss record of one hundred and sixteen and a hundred and sixteen. Yeah. Wow. So really forty four games under five hundred. No. Would you say what did you say? Perfectly five hundred. One hundred and sixteen and one hundred and sixteen. Okay. I misheard. Yeah. I thought one sixteen over one sixteen. The world so perfectly The world's most overrated five hundred quarterback. Well, I won two it. Super Bowls. How is he overrated? Is it was Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to give him credit for Jason Pierre-Paul and Michael Strahan and, and Ocean New York. The helmet catch. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Aaron Rodgers he, 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 is... He was legitimately great in those two Super Bowl runs, but that was the only time. <sighs> well, Aaron Rodgers is 28-27 and 27 in his last 55 games. You know, and It he, happens to the best. And the worst. Yeah, but that's all, that's all Mike McCarthy, don't you know? Right, it's never nothing. Nothing ever sticks to Aaron. I have an answer. I have an answer for our safety walk-off safety question, and everybody was kind of right. It was 2004, not 2005, and Alex Brown sacked Billy Volek in the end zone, but Billy fumbled, and future Bear Fred Miller recovered it and was tackled by Adewale Agunle for the safety. Ah, all right. I had so somewhat. Fred Miller, who future bear and recipient of an Olin Cruz punch to the jaw. If I'm yeah, not hit, him with a, hit him with a dumbbell. Yeah, with a dumbbell <laughs> the jaw. It was Jesus. Wow. Hey, Olin wasn't messing around. Football players are nuts. Uh, I mean, specifically Olin Cruz was nuts. Yeah, he was. I mean, the reason he got cut by the Saints. The, the one, like, four games that he played after the Bears cut him is that, I guess, he went after uh, future Bears offensive coordinator. Oh, what the fuck was his name? Aaron Cromer. He, yeah. went, he went after Cromer, who was the O-line coach in New Orleans. He went after Cromer in a meeting room, and Breeze got between yeah. them, and Cruz threw Breeze up against the wall. And, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's a big no-no, yes, so but... he immediately got cut. He handed it to the papers that day. You cannot throw. Drew breathe up against a wall. That's an automatic ticket out of town if you touch Drew. Yeah. Don't touch don't touch the hairy mole on his face. <laughs> Just don't touch him at all. Yeah, he does kill you. But it it sounds like pretty much everybody who's ever played for Aaron Cromer has at some point wanted to stuff him in a garbage can. 
So it's not. <laughs> yeah, he really does sound like a weenus. So. Yeah. Remember when he had to apologize when he was the. What was he? Was he the yeah, Bears? He, he was the offensive coordinator, whatever he was. Quarterbacks he had, coach? He, he had to apologize for criticizing Jay in the media, right? I kind of vaguely remember yeah, that. He, he had to give a tearful apology in front of the entire team. Yeah, Todd, I was wrong, guys. Todd Collins' game against the Panthers did not qualify because he was under 20 attempts. And because he's, I mean, under 20. And because he, he's Todd did Collins. He not, did he not have four picks rerun in that the game? Query here real quick, and I'll give you some of the highlights. In a yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to see where that Rick Meyer game is, just to pull that one out. By the way, I wanted I'm to see Quinn. Have, I'm betting it won't qualify because I don't think he right. had 20. That's right. So, 20, so, so Mitch obviously had uh, over 20 he passes. Had 20, 27 attempts, yeah. So, like. I, I can't just be a game where like the quarterback didn't actually do anything, you know. Yeah, he was part was of the game, game plan. Well, and, and he was bad. There was that game Trubisky that they won Trubisky's rookie year against the yes. Panthers, where he threw seven passes. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna not count that one. So. Right. There's a, there, I'm sure there's a litany of those in their, in their history. So Mitch had 120 yards passing before the final drive, right? So that's a no, he had 120 yards passing, including the final drive. He was at 95 oh. yards before the 25 yard to Allen Robinson. Well, well, he did make he you know he made he made one very nice play, and it was perfect for him because it was one of those where it's in the huddle. He knew he was going to throw it to Allen Robinson. It <laughs> was the only Pretty place much. he was going, and I give him credit for. Um, letting it get open and making the pass. Making the pass. And then I give credit to the refs who basically fucked up every call all day. Oh, God. But, but did get it right because Robinson gave yeah. himself up. So the, the clock really can stop that fast as long as somebody is simultaneously calling the timeout. And then our hero, the great Eddie Pinheiro, came out. And it sounded like Eddie was actively rooting for the Saints to convert the two-point conversion because he wanted to kick the eventual Broncos. game winner. The Broncos, the Saints, whatever. That, yeah. I've, I've heard it both ways. Um, so, so there's Eddie rooting against his own t- is, is rooting against his own team. I thought it was excessive that he actually he stole some Bronco cheerleaders pom poms and was cheering on the two-point <laughs> conversion. I'll, I'll say this about Mitch: I don't understand, and I, well, I, I should say I do understand because when you see a guy who's having so much trouble processing and finding open guys you're, you're hesitant to give him the key to the car but i think the key to getting him going is you do have to run some more up tempo you do have to run mm-hmm. some more no huddle stuff you've got to get him to the line quickly make the defense commit to one personnel grouping simplify his reads and get him in a rhythm because in those two minute situations that's the only time he's been able to move the fucking ball all year it's the only time he settles in is when he doesn't have to think that much about it because i mean he is He's a classic case of a dude who I don't think any of his accuracy issues are physical. I really don't. They are all it. He he doesn't process things fast enough, and then he throws it late and he fires it in there, and it just yeah. looks horrible. So I think you know, especially against Washington, which is not a good pass defense, this would be a good game to try to mix in just a little bit of tempo to maybe get him in a rhythm and and build his confidence back up because he's another dude that I think also kind of waxes and wanes. Uh, based on his confidence. Okay, so I, I, I did run the query. I got our our um, our. Let's hear it. Our, Steve Stenson win any games of the Bears? Worst effort by by a Bears quarterback in the winning okay. effort. All right. Minimum from oh wait, this is from nineteen ninety eight to nineteen 
That's okay. And plenty of bad quarterbacks and just that's fine. We'll just do the last twenty years instead of the last thirty. That's fine. All right. So we got nineteen of them instead of thirty-one. All right. Number one overall. Drum or do you want me to do, do you want me to count down from five? Well, I don't know. Do the top five. All right, top five. Uh on October fourteenth of two thousand and one. Our good friend Matthews. Oh, not quite. Uh Jim Miller. Against the, which game was that? This was 2001. Is that pre-PED it, suspension? It was right it was before the Bengals. Back- no, in 2001, the year they went 13-3. and three. Yeah, it was uh, right before the back-to-back walk-offs, with, but they had Matthews in those games. In 2001, Jim Miller went 15 of 21 for 116 yards with against no Tampa. touchdowns. Two interceptions against Arizona. Arizona. Uh, that comes out to a an adjusted yards per attempt of 1.24 yards. <laughs> wow. Nice. The Bears won 20 to 13 over the Cardinals. Number four, Jim Miller again. Mm. 1999. Uh, Bears at Green Bay, the uh, the Brian Robinson. That's right. Oh, yeah. Walter, after Walter game. Payton died. He went. Our Miller went 16 of 29, 142 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, which is good for an adjusted yards per attempt of 0.93 yards. Oh, they got nothing on Mitch. Is, they got nothing on Mitch. Uh, number three is Craig Krenzel in that, that Bears Titans game we were referencing. Yep. He went 10 of 28 okay. for 116 yards, two interceptions. Uh, he also took five sacks. Um, again, zero point nine three adjusted yards per attempt. So really, a tie for three. Kyle. In, in, in any of the three games you mentioned, would any of these guys throw a touchdown pass or no? Uh, Miller had one touchdown okay. pass in, in the in the Brian Robinson game. Just curious. Uh, All right. Number number two. Just last year, Mitch's effort against the Rams: sixteen of thirty, one hundred and ten wow. yards. One touchdown, three interceptions, an adjusted yard per attempt of negative zero point one. Good. So would, I mean, I think that, that that roughly means that for every snap he took in that game, they could have had him, you know, just take a knee, yeah. and they would have gotten roughly the, the same amount of yardage for it. Uh, and then number one, as expected, Rex Grossman against the Cardinals, two thousand six. Sure. Fourteen of thirty-seven. 144 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, negative yards per attempt of negative 0.97. So they lost you know, almost a full yard basically every time he tried. It's funny how I remember how everyone thinks of the Grossman game, and I'm sitting here and I have no recollection of Trubisky being bad in the Rams game. I think probably because I was just so freaking enamored with how much the defense was yep. kicking ass. Jabisky well, against the Rams, there was a there was a little bit of an asterisk there because he, he was coming off the shoulder injury and even for him everything was high. Like even in warm ups, passes he normally doesn't miss, passes to the right side, if you will. Nothing was it was just coming out high. So I he very clearly was not right. And I still think the rumor was was that he was good to go for the Giants game, but they basically took it for granted. Yeah, uh, I remember now. 
and I I still think they should have made him try to get that out. They maybe still lose to the Giants with a rusty Trubisky, but then I think no. he would have been in better shape for the front. It was fine. You do not, fun. You have to pay extra for a rusty Trubisky. Anyway. <laughs> 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 No, I, I don't remember that game though being bad. I mean, like I said, it's probably because the Bears' defense was so dominant. It was a big well, game. It was like a it was a measuring stick game, and the Bears that was was that Sunday night. Um, it was Sunday night. Yeah, it was, it was a night game. Yeah. It was a Sunday night game. I, 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 it was it was just all about the defense. As you know, as was Sunday until they started sucking win at the end, like you know, because the offense couldn't help them out at all. Golf was even worse. I think is part of why people don't. You why you maybe don't quite remember how bad he was. Mid- I do remember how bad golf was. Now that you mention yeah. it, golf was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, so yeah, Bears rattled him. I like that the best bad winning quarterback performance was though was in that Cardinals game because then you can, if you want to crown Rex's ass, you crown his ass. <laughs> yeah. He is who we thought he was. That was perfect. Uh, I'd like, though, there was the whole debate after the fact about why didn't the Bears go to Colorado another day early so they could get used to the altitude. Does that really – were they they were 18 hours shy of being perfectly cool with the altitude? Hey, I don't think Andy, it works that way. Since when did Phil Rogers start writing about football? Yeah. Well, Forbes will pay what? him to do anything. Uh, is there, one whole day. <laughs> is there even any scientific basis behind the whole it takes three days to get used to altitude? Because we actually just did. No. Uh, and I'm going to compare myself to world-class athletes. <laughs> yeah, I think scientifically, tra- travel agents have made the case to sell an extra three days on everybody's adventure yeah. vacation. That's that's what's did, made the case. We did Colorado for a vacation this summer, and I, to be honest, the altitude sickness hit me on day three. Was when I was what it might have been just because we did Pikes Peak that day, which yeah. you know I. We were going up there with someone who had already been up there before, and he was like, it's no joke. It, the altitude is real. Just be careful up there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. And I walked out of the, the van we were in, and I hadn't even made it to the little – they have a little, like, rest station up at the top of the peak. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to sit down. So, but that, that was on day That was on day three, you said? That was on, yeah, it was on day three. Like, yeah, I felt so, – Right. So the so idea is you get, you get out of town before that. <laughs> yeah, I think I – think, you, you, I don't even know. Like I said, I don't. There is science behind the whole. You need three days. I think it's just as likely you don't want your body to just kind of adjust. So you know, go there fresh, get the hell out yeah. before it. Yeah, you could, uh, you could feel it uh, with the defense. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of last season's Miami game, which different conditions, but it was hot as hell, and it wasn't like. The defense had a great game, but well, in the end, they just couldn't get off the field. And that's there's a, like the last a perfect segue because how did that Dolphins game end? It ended with Cody Parkey coming up just <sighs> short on a game-winning yeah. field goal. Yeah, but our man there Eddie, he had no problem drilling it. Well, and going back to that Miami game, that the thing is that, a segue. The two Bears game. So one of the big topics coming into the season, obviously, was that Fangio left, and. I have a lot of respect for Fangio. I think he's a great defense coordinator. I really do. But there, I actually did have a couple gripes about Fangio, and it's the same gripe I used to have about Lovey Smith. When when their front four is getting home, whether it's Fangio or whether it's Lovey, when they're getting pressure with just four guys, they're they're great. 
They they will do all kinds of stuff on the back end. They're great. They are way too hesitant to realize when that's not when that front four is not getting it done and when you might need to mix things up. And Fangio, I felt like in week one against Green Bay last year, in that Miami game, in the Patriots game, was not willing to blitz. They they, they were one of despite being one of the most effective teams when blitzing, they blitzed at one of the lowest rates in the league, which I'm sure there is some correlation there. But one thing I've noticed already in the in the two second halves, Pagano, when the front four did start to get a little gassed when the when that wasn't enough, he really would start sending the nickel, especially. So he's mixed in some blitzes there um, very effectively, and I think that's part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers didn't have a huge second half surge in Week One like he did last year. They just they kept him down. Of course, the offense couldn't do anything with it, but they kept, held him down the whole game. And I think that's why, you know, Flacco did have a couple drives there that he put together, but they, they, they never did break. Oh. And I think that's because, I, you know, Pagano mixed in some really well-timed blitzes. And that's one thing I think he, he so far, small sample size, but it's one thing he's shown that he's more willing to do than Fangio was, is, is go out of his comfort zone and send extra guys when he needs to. Pagano blitzed Buster Screen so many times that even Mark Slareth finally noticed it. <laughs> Where he actually circled him on the telescreen. Yeah, but I, bet, I bet Mitch didn't. Say it again? I said I bet Mitch didn't. <laughs> didn't notice. <laughs> there was, and I Andy pointed it out, Andy pointed it out on Twitter at the same time, there was a third and eight where they had a screen set up perfectly, and you saw the safety come bolting up to the line. It was the most obvious blitz ever. And yet, of course, Mitch fucking missed it. And as yeah. soon as the ball snapped, he's like, oh, my God, where'd that guy come from? <laughs> and he throws the screen short. And it's like, just once, just once in your fucking life, recognize that that safety who is leaning forward at the line of scrimmage is not there to give you a fucking cookie. He's, he's going to blitz, blitz, Mitch. Just do something with it. Well, I think the problem with Mitch is that, you know, a good quarterback takes a mental snapshot just before the snap, and knows where everybody is. Mitch does it, but his is a Polaroid, and so it he has to take it like eight seconds before and has to hold it and shake it and try to get it to develop, and then by then it's they've already snapped hard, the ball. It, yeah, it's hard to do while you're, while you're dropping back. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's another case where, um, you know, I think, I think the responsibility for how bad this offense has been through two games is about 70% Mitch, about 30% Nagy. But in that 30% Nagy, it, I really think he needs to do a better job of getting those play calls in faster and getting Mitch to the line of scrimmage faster because he needs every second he can get to really get a look at what's about to happen there. He really does. And they've been so slow getting the play in two weeks in a row. Yeah, you can't, you can't argue with that. It's, you know, the, how many times is the little – is the play clock number on our TV turning red? That's yeah. never good. So yeah, they they need to move that up. So um, so go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that. Um, did are we finally over now? The do, do the Bears have their kicker? Can we stop obsessing over whether poor little Eddie Pinheiro is if he misses one kick? He's gone because no, he... because I love talking about kickers when I'm talking <laughs> about football. <laughs> yeah, was the, it may have, he may have, he may have exercised that demon. It, it would seem like a 
a thing that would just always be there, but he may have slayed that dragon with just that just absolutely yeah, I mean, unlikely I sequence. I mean, he's I don't brilliant. think he's cemented the job forever, but yeah, I think he's got himself enough breathing he, room. Yeah, he doesn't have to cement it. It's not about being like a top kicker. It's just about like stop having everybody focus on the kicker and holding their damn breath. Like just be a regular guy. You know, you might, you might miss a couple from 47. You might miss one under 39, but mostly hit 80, whatever. The fact that there's just been so much focus on that position just aggravates me uh, because it's it's an important position, but it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's inconsequential. It just seems that just the whole chain of events and like Pinero having to run out there and just, it was a, it was a night where they were, they were a second away from just an absolute nightmare. I mean, they still have problems, obviously. And it's a 58 yarder. It just feel, I hope, and, you know, I, I would have to think that just that one act kind of slayed that dragon, that whole sort of thing hanging over their head ever since yeah, uh, that jackass from last year. Go ahead. I think Kyle. we talked about it a little bit. I think we talked about the article a little bit last time. Or maybe Sports the, Illustrated? Yeah, the, the, the Sports Illustrated article where they only interviewed people who had lost the kicking competition <laughs> right. about how dumb the kicking competition is. And, like, fair or not, because I, I really hate getting into the this guy isn't mentally tough part of sport that's dumb at it's but fair or not the bears clearly decided that the problem with cody parkey wasn't physical it wasn't about his ability it was about his ability to handle clutch situations and so they they designed a kicker competition that wanted primarily to see how guys would do in high pressure situations so the dudes in that article who were like, I didn't like it. It was super stressful. I couldn't get into routine. That, that's not a knock against the process, obviously. And here you have Eddie who's come in and, you know, the highest right. pressure situation possible. And he's done just fine. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I compared it. It was, it was really weird to see that article come out before the season had even happened because that's a perfect article to just sit on for like eight weeks. And if the bears, if hmm. Pinera had gotten off to a nightmare start, you throw it out there and savage the bears when everyone would already be savaging them anyways. And they feast on it. Yep. But at that point, it looked like you like ran up to Alexander Graham Bell seconds before he actually dialed Watson. You were like, ah, I told you this wouldn't work. Well, given how infrequently sports illustrated actually publishes now, they probably couldn't count on holding anything for six months. Cause there might, there might not yeah, be an I issue. I haven't had a since the first Bush term, so I don't know how often they publish anymore. I do think, though, that, yes, Cody, obviously part of his problem was in between the ears. But he also had, he he had physical, severe physical limitations as a kicker. He didn't have good range. And when when you think back to the to the infamous double doink, you know, he did make the kick before when he got mm-hmm. iced. And he barely made it. I mean, it barely eked over. And so I guarantee you part of the reason that the second one got tipped at the line was he kicked it on more of a line because he was worried that he wasn't going to kick it that far. And that was a 43-yard field goal that he barely had enough leg for. And we knew he didn't yeah, have we knew he didn't have a booming leg when they got him, but I th- I think that was a big part of his problem was yes, he may have at at some point in his career, even the year before the Bears game, been very accurate. He just can't kick a football very far, and I think that's at least half the job. Yeah. Well, the, the, that was um, 
one of the things that really was annoying in the conversation after the Parky thing, because like I said, the media kind of acted with Parky like he got kicked for that one. Or he got cut for that one miss. Yeah, he, like we overreacted to that one miss instead of the fact that he literally missed the most kicks yep. of any kicker last yeah. year. And um, it was they had a kicking crisis from from the midpoint of the season all the way to the end. I mean, there were people wondering yeah. if he, if they were going to replace him even mm-hmm. at the very end of the season. So yeah, that um, the in so some cases he got he got too much blame because I mean obviously you got you, you have to be able to make that kick. You're a professional kicker, you have to be able to make it. Uh, it did, however, people have since forgotten that the that the Bears' dominant defense had they gotten a freaking stop. Yeah, the Bears win. They let them go all the way down, and so because Rex got them into field goal range, Rex, th- Rex, he is Rex. Mitch, it's late. It's my, my, my yeah, actually, it kind of is. I kind of miss Rex. No, I don't. Uh, because Mitch got him into field goal range, then the whole narrative changed, and people haven't talked about the fact that the defense couldn't stop, you know, Nick Foles on one drive when they really needed to. Can I mention how um, I'm glad that you mentioned Andy Mitch's drive because you know the 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 way that we're discussing Mitch and and I know you got you know especially Kyle I mean I know you pay a lot more attention than I do it's like did I dream that Trubisky I know he didn't have a great game but that he actually did make the plays was he not checking down on that final drive against Philadelphia I mean is it like do we just forget it? he's been god awful he looks like a you know he's scared. He's not no, checking he, down. He's not running. He's not running for first downs. It seems I, like getting a first down so with his feet. I thought the second half that he had in that playoff game was going to be the thing that he built on. I yep. really did. He okay. was so, more so, accurate, so, more so, calm. Right. He made plays downfield. He exploited the matchups that were there. I thought. Okay. We are watching this dude. Okay. Finally, take so, the next, and he's right. taking four things backwards. It's okay. the most that, right. So you're saying after two, I mean, there's a playoff game, a lot on the line. He also, you know, had a couple nice drives against Green Bay to clinch the division. So, but you're saying two two games here, you're convinced that he's not building on it. It's not going to happen. Is I mean, both of you seem pretty convinced. I, I'm not. I'm just sort of. I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I'm just kind of. Well, I can't Rich- believe he's. I mean, obviously, compared to the two guys drafted behind him, I, he, he's never going to come past that. But yeah, are we with, really are we planting our flag here. He just sucks. With Mitch, it's not it's not the stats that I'm worried about because I, honest to God, I have a lot of respect for Mike Pettin in Green Bay. I really think he's a great defensive coordinator. Um, like I said before, most of what people used to give Rex Ryan credit for was actually Mike Pettin. Um, and Fangio obviously really is one of the best defensive minds of football. I don't think in any scenario, those are two games where the bears were going to put up 30 points. It's not the statistics that I'm worried about. It's the the continuation of traits that should be fixed by now. And if, and I've done a lot of research on quarterback and, and what year two means and what year three. And at this point, I mean, it's kind of like a thousand plate appearances or whatever in MLB. At this point, you are who you are. So well, if you're not, yeah, I'm running. I, the, the, if there is a window left for him to turn it on, it's very, very small. It's going to okay. be, it's going to be the next couple of weeks, or it's it's never going to happen. Well, so, and, and I, 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 I do kind down. of agree with you. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not basing any of my my observation on said. I'm I'm looking at the eye test, so I agree with you. He's he's he, he looks panicked. He doesn't his footwork is he's kind of jittery back there. 
but like even simple things like I had to look it up and find out he did do it at least once. I didn't go through both games, but like just to ease the flow of the offense, like it doesn't seem like he's even picking up a first down with his feet. He's hanging back there and then he's just going to fling it, overthrow it. He's just not, I get it watching these games. I'm not feeling it either, but I'm just saying, is this an anomaly or is this, you know, is it really the wind? We're looking at a shorter window than, than we hoped. Well, I mean, in some ways, it might it might accidentally back them into a longer window because if they give up on Mitch after this year and they they happen to hit on a quarterback who's actually <sighs> good in the draft, they get uh, they get another three or four years of a quarterback on a rookie salary to extend the window. Otherwise, you know, if Mitch had had the year we were hoping he'd have this year, you'd be looking at paying him the kind of money that Goff just right. got. Uh, I, I'll I'll confess, I'm already disheartened with the fact that is is much Kool-Aid is there's much optimism as it might try to dig up by any objective measure. You look at what he's done and I know this might be unfair, but really not compare him just to Mahomes, not even Watson, just Mahomes. Andy, you, you retweeted a couple uh, tweets from some of these analysts this week, and I couldn't believe some of these throws that Mahomes making something. And, you know, worst case scenario is we've got the, you know, the payback for Sam Bowie versus Michael Jordan in a sense where we're watching this already and there's no way there, like Mitch might turn it around, but like, Holy crap. We let, we let it get away. There's nothing you can do about it. It's I happening. thought, I thought Michael Jordan for Sam Bowie was payback from missing out on magic Johnson and Johnson. having to draft David Greenwood. David Greenwood. Oh, what a bust. <laughs> David Greenwood makes a reference. I love it. Yeah. So, no matter what, it seems like there's already been sort of a miscalculation there. So you have a bad feeling, right? Uh, just about, oh, I'm sure Pace himself, you know, if he's going to be completely honest, probably goes to bed at night and says, like, damn, I, you know, thought I had it there. Jesus, look at it. He looks at video of Mahomes. He's just, you know, sh- like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? I, I, I blew it. Yeah. It's kind of how it feels. It doesn't mean that Mitch is a boss. It just means that it looks like, you know, the ship sailed on the franchise well, quarterback that we're like said, looking at the if you compare it to the 2004 quarterback draft, the best case scenario is that, you know, the, the chiefs got the Phillip rivers, the guy that's going to put up great numbers, but always be stuck with an AFC West team. that doesn't believe in defense chargers. Um, yeah. The, the, now maybe the, the Texans got the, you know, hopefully a, a much more well, coached the, no, the the Ben Roethlis because in 2004 you had Roethlisberger, you had Rivers, oh. and you had Eli Manning all go in the same draft. And Eli Manning was the most highly touted, and he's the one that went first overall. Yep. But yep. of those three, of those three quarterbacks, he's by far the least good. But if you were to look at his career, you know he's got two more. I'm sure Philip Rivers would trade careers if he right. could, even though he has had the much better numbers. Right. So, if, guess, if you go him and oh. Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger is probably a, a Hall of Famer in. You would hope that that Trubisky is the Eli Manning where, yeah, maybe he's the more average quarterback, but he's the guy that's going to luck into a couple of rings. But I'm a little afraid now about how bad he's looked these first two games that he's actually the fourth guy in that draft, which was J.P. Losman. (laughs) Too lame. Yeah. I don't think – there's no way – there's no way Phillip Rivers could trade careers with Eli Manning because – even with a quarterback salary, he can't afford to buy anything in New York for those 18 kids. 
Yeah. There's, just, there's no way. <laughs> the name of Burrow after him. So. I fucking love I love I really love watching like document there's a documentary about the 2004 draft that's pretty good and I love going back to it like whenever they show footage from it cuz like in his like apartment at NC State he's sitting there on draft day with his wife and like three of the four kids are already <laughs> like, he started that early is uh, uh, does Tom does Tommy Harris feature in that draft? Isn't that the bear, when the Bears got Tommy Harris? Uh, I think he, I mean I think he's I don't know that they spend much time on it's him. But yeah, I remember the the day that the Bears drafted Tommy Harris, who I won't confess to have ever having heard of before that draft. I I remember just seeing the suit he was wearing yeah. and deciding right then and there <laughs> I can picture it was it. a great draft because he was it. so fucking stylish. He had his shades on. He was sitting. Yeah, he was absolutely. That's the first thing I thought of when you said Tommy Harris in the draft. Just how he was styling. I mean, they knew yeah. the, they knew when they picked Tommy that there was a fast moving clock on him because of his health. Um, and had they just gotten what three more months out of him? Uh, it's a heartbreaker. They may very well have won a Super Bowl. That's how Mike close Brown. They if if Tommy Harris and Mike Brown are healthy, yep. the Bears win that yeah, 2000. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, yeah, no nobody's resorting to that. Yep, nobody's resorting to that cheap punchline. It's Rex Grossman. But if if Eddie Jackson doesn't get hurt last year, I, I don't know if the Bears win the Super Bowl, but I don't think mm. I don't think there's any way in hell they lose to the Eagles because those three or four 12-second floater balls yep. that Foles managed to sneak under playmaker Adrian Amos don't happen mm. if Eddie Jackson is on that field. It's a whole different game. But you know, it's just it's fitting that the two best Bears teams of my life uh, have been <laughs> – that safety go down and it really fuck everything. So this is our, our reminder that Kyle Morris actually has never seen the Bears win a Super Bowl. Sometimes it blows correct. my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because because for years, you know, not for years, because the Bulls came along in 91, but they were the only team and they were the first team in 20 some odd years to even do it. It was an oasis in this town. That's part of the reason that everyone's still obsessed about him. But Interesting that you and your generational ilk just it's a totally you grew up if you were to rank all the Chicago teams, um the Bears are you know, if you remember at least the last three of the Bulls titles, the Bears would be in last, regardless of which baseball yeah, team you for. I don't really remember the first three Pete at right, all. I right. Uh, right, I know that. So but you still have the really, second three, which is unmatched, you know, except for the Blackhawks yeah, who didn't do it three years in a row and each team's yeah, baseball team's won a World Series. So yeah. For for someone from your perspective, the Bears are kind of what the Cubs were for us thirty years ago. So, but, cheers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually said the other day I was I, I was like part of the reason I get so depressed whenever I realize that you know each year's iteration of the Bears is not going to be a Super Bowl contender is that I know them winning another one is the only way to make the eighty-five Bears shut the fuck up. Sure, and uh, so then someone asked me like, "Well, how quickly are you going to get tired of?" David Ross then and I was like well at least that's my title that I get to be the weepy old man about it because like being a Bears fan born after 85 has been like being stuck at Thanksgiving with your drunken uncle forever every single one is like well let me tell you about Dan Hampton well you know and and Andy and I were around in 85 and I you know not to speak for him I think it's grown tired for us uh, to some degree yeah, I mean, we didn't, never expected that we'd, you know, still be telling Henry Wachter stories. 
Yes, yes, thirty-four yeah. years later. Keith, yeah, Keith or to go or get out. Uh, but then again, this is a this is a town that completely still can't still even. I thought it would die in nineteen eighty-four, but of course, even after twenty sixteen, there are still these tributes to the '69 Cubs. Yes. So, you know, yeah. I guess it shouldn't be that much of a shock. Then what I really thought, I really thought for sure the '69 Cubs stuff was going to die. With the title and with Ernie dying, no, too. I thought, no, no, yeah, right, this, right, or Santo. Point, but you know what? You're celebrating the 50th anniversary of a second place right. team. Just let it go. Look, look. If it wasn't going to die, and I, not to divert, not to just jump the tracks here, but if it wasn't going to die in '84 when the Cubs absolutely at Wrigley Field and at Shea Stadium kicked the living crap out of the Mets. If it didn't exercise those demons, then it was never going to go away. And in fact, it's still only gotten stronger even after 2016. But we digress. There are there's two ways to shut up the 85 Bears. You can win another Super Bowl, or you can do what I think the Bears are trying to do: is just wait for them all to die. <laughs> how <laughs> many seems... 72 dolphins? How many 72 dolphins are still alive? Well, here's what I want to know: Will the 72 dolphins? Will they pop champagne if the 19 dolphins go winless? Is that the? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, I, two perfect seasons. Yeah, the, the Dolphins because they're they're realizing the problem um, with tanking in the NFL is that you know you have a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick who they just had to trade because he's looking at it and he's like, I am not an NFL career is not the same. First of all, it's yep. not the same thing as an MLB career. I can't bank on being here five years from now when you finally get good. I, I'm going to have maybe three years to earn my next contract. You guys have to trade me somewhere immediately. Yep. I'm not sticking around for this. Yep. Anybody so, with I mean, anybody with leverage in a tank is going to force their way off because which, I mean, at that, that point, how do, you reverse, how do you reverse the tank? I mean, if your fucking 2018 first round pick is a guy you can't build around, then what's your plan? Where, where are you going with this? Well, how many... So they got another first round pick. I guess they hope that uh, Mason Rudolph doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't position the Steelers close to playoff range, and that that pick they got for Minka is high. But yeah, they're you're screwed. You have to, you know, I know you have to bottom out to get a real shot at a quarterback. But um, if you have to get rid of the few good players you have to do it, by the time you're ready to win, that quarterback is either in a heap. Or he's yeah. ready to leave. So yeah, that's they're in a no-win situation. To me, the the, the RG three situation was always um, the, the, the the example that I go to there. And I mean, to be fair, the main problem in that situation is that uh, the, the the head coach did not want that quarterback right. and actively went out of his way to undermine him. But yeah, part that, of the problem is when you trade when you trade away three first round picks to get a quarterback and you are a team that wasn't good to begin yep. with, you don't have anything around him and naturally he's going to get killed. And that's what happened. They had no offensive line to protect him. They, they didn't have any picks to build around him. So, you know, the bears experienced a little bit of that when, with the picks they gave up for, to get Cutler. But I mean, mm-hmm. most of that problem was just that Jerry Angelo was, was willfully against adding to that offense. So, well, he got he got Brandon Marshall. Well, that wasn't him. Sorry, never mind. No, that wasn't it. No, he I actually read the the Athletic. 
Um, do we get money? Does Andy get money every time I name drop them on the podcast? I don't get I don't get money when I name drop them. I'm not. I'm not. They're not giving it to me for anybody else either. The the athletic did a really good oral history of the Cutler trade. Yep. And there was a there was a line by Jerry Angelo in that that article that has just been slowly rotting my brain ever since, where he said something about how they want he wanted to see if Jay was as good as he thought before investing picks and money on weapons on offense. Oh. But if Jay was going to be that good, why would he need to invest money? And picks on offense. So he literally had just created this circular reasoning where he never actually had to give Jay any help. He would do it with that help. He would actually tell you that at the time. I remember him saying, Well, Brett Favre never had all these elite players in Green Bay, which is a totally wrong perception of the nineties Packers yes. offense. Like, no, they didn't have like I did I just hallucinate Donald Driver and, and Sterling Sharp were those guys not Sterling receivers? Sharp. Of course he got hurt before they won the Super Bowl, yeah. Fucking Antonio Freeman, like oh. I the, uh, the Freaker, Green Bay had had a lot of talent had more talent than Johnny fucking Knox. Well, well, out there for Brent but Hart. to be fair to Jerry, he wouldn't have seen any of that. It's not like he was working for Tampa and they were in the same division as the Packers at the time. Oh, oh wait, Ouch. they were. No. Yeah. So the Bears are off to their Monday night. They are off to DC or wherever, Raljan, Maryland, to take on the mighty Redskins. Who who scheduled this game? I mean, I nobody expected the Bears to be stronger than Washington. Yeah, I don't know why. Although I, I hesitate to say anything because I'm pretty sure that the Bears have been favored. The last seven times they've played Washington, and I'm pretty sure they the, are they favored on the road again. We're going to get to that, but yes, they are. I don't even remember the last time. Honestly, when was the last time the Bears beat Washington? I remember they beat them seventy-three to nothing in nineteen forty whatever. And old Virginia, old Vag Hallis got to got to ride the train with Sid Luckman and yeah, yeah, and Irv Cupson, who was an official in the game, probably joined the party afterwards. I remember them losing to the to Washington in 2014 when Jay tore his groin. Oh, I, I know the last time they beat him. The 84 playoffs when Todd oh, Bell killed game. Joe Washington. I love once that again, game. once again before that. poor Kyle's time. But yes, that was yes. one of the that's one of the great games in Bears history. That's, that was, uh, it absolutely was. One of these days we're going to have to just have an oral history of that game. I've got thoughts, lots of thoughts. Once again, I think the last time gone. the Bears beat honestly though without joking i think the last time they beat washington might have been 2003 when rex grossman out dueled yep. the, the lesser yeah the lesser I was, at, I was at that game it was against his former college coach steve spurrier it was grossman's first career start maybe or second yeah jesus christ okay the last seven game washington okay so the redskins <sighs> were probably favored the redskins were probably favored wow. in that one is that the last 20... time really i can't think of i mean none, none spring to mind no it was these are the last seven. The last seven. It's uh, Washington beat the Bears 41 21 in 2016, uh, 24 21 in 2015, 45 41 in 2013. I remember that game. Uh, 17 14 in 2010. That was when uh, Jay threw it to D'Angelo Hall yep. four times. Oh, yeah. Soldier Field. Yep. Um, 
D'Angelo actually said this offseason that if he'd played Jake Cutler more times, he'd be a Hall of Famer, and I couldn't even <laughs> believe that. Um, in 2007, they lost 24-16. to 16. I believe that was when Rex uh, got hurt for the last time, and, and Greasy finished that one out. Hmm. Uh, wow. In 2005, Orton's debut, they lost 9-7. to seven. And then they went on – yeah, they went 1-3 and three, went on a tear that year. You're right, they opened the season in Washington. They have not won since 2003. And in 2004, they lost 13 to 10. I remember that one. I believe it was a Mark Brunel, Jonathan Quinn duel. So, yeah, the last time, the, and they've only won two of the last, uh, I'm not going to count a lot since 1989. So, um, 88 wasn't the last time they beat them, but it was pretty close. They've only All won. Right. Three I, games against I them in my life. I, I know we're running over, but we've you've gotten within three years of the all-time greatest game I've ever attended. I'm just going to have to throw it down now because it was against the Redskins. It was the year after the Bears went into RFK and upset them, and as they sort of built upon their 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 you know short-lived dynasty, they go into '85. It was the game after McMahon came off the bench against the Vikings on a Thursday and threw his first two passes for touchdowns. The week before the game. Uh, Redskins defensive end Dexter Manley made a comment about how they were going to put Walter Payton in the hospital. And, of course, Mike Ditka, the kind of coach that he was, defending all of his teammates, especially Walter, mentioned that uh, Manley had the IQ of a grapefruit. We go into the game. Redskins jump out to a 10-0 lead. Oh, Redskins are still good. Rigo the Pigo, Joe Theismann, Daryl Green. This is a good team. Bears might have walked into RFK the year before in the playoffs and stunned them. But, you know, they're going to have to earn it. 10-0 game. And then uh, on the ensuing kickoff, Willie Galt takes it, goes 100 yards, and on the play, the guy who kicked the ball, Washington punter Jeff Hayes, pulled a hamstring because Galt, you know, uh, deked him so badly along the sidelines that all of his internal organs were left on the Soldier Field artificial <laughs> turf. And, of course, you know, the punter did the kickoffs then, uh, as they do, you know, periodically since then. The Bears did with Todd Sauerbrown, Craig Hendrich. And also, you might recall, Andy, the Redskins' place kicker was the last. Yeah, he was always a trivia question. Mark, Mark Mosley. Yes. Yeah, the last. The last. God, that's what? two weeks in a row he came up because uh, he, <laughs> he came up because he's also the, he was also the only kicker to win MVP. Oh, there you go. The last Amer- so-called American-style soccer kicker. So he didn't do kickoffs. So we'll be leading him at the greatest, the greatest, you know, it's the greatest game I ever saw. There's Galt scores. It's ten to seven. Redskins get the ball back, and the defense starts to get into it, and they go three and out, and the Redskins have to punt. But of course, their punter Jeff Hayes, who pulled his hamstring on the Willie Galt kickoff return, was not able to punt. And so, who lines up to uh, deliver the punt? But Andy, you remember Joe this one? Theismann. <laughs> Which I'm sad that like kids of today don't know the you know the, the, the lengths of idiocy or the just the, 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 the breadth of idiocy that Joe Theismann provided. He was a decent quarterback. He won his Super Bowl, took the Redskins the two, but he was a horse's ass, arrogant, just whatever. You know, he did the punchable face, the whole package. And Theismann goes back there and proceeds to dump a one yard punt. And I can just say that. If you've never heard the sound of 60,000 people laughing, um, then, you know, you haven't lived because it was one hell of a moment. Bears ended up winning 45-10, to 10, but not before Walter Payton threw an end-around touchdown pass to Jim McMahon. Just the greatest time I've ever had at Soldier Field. Buck the Redskins. That's all I got. Well, and then early on in Joe's announcing career, he said something 
unflattering about Jim McMahon. And when McMahon got asked by the media about it, he said, I don't comment on anything said by a guy who can't punt more than a yard. <laughs> I, uh, I brought this up about nine months ago and in Slack and one of uh, Chuck Dickens, God bless his soul, Colin. He managed. I found the video. There's a, that game's on YouTube, by the way. Look it up. Bears Redskins 85. You'll enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, but he converted that Theisman uh, punt to a gift, so I'm gonna have to dig it out and tweet it tonight. So I'll, it's, I'm, I cherish it. So anyway, enough of the digression. I apologize, but that one's been on my mind a while. All right. So yeah. Uh, so, a clear key to the game on Monday is being able to weather the inevitable Redskins storm. So far in their two games, in the opener against the Eagles, they jumped out to a 17 to nothing lead. Um, they were then uh, outscored. Uh, 31 to 14 and lost. And last week they got off to a seven nothing lead before being outscored 30 to 10. So once they get their initial salvo in, they have been outscored 62 to 24. So given that the bear offense is not exactly firing on any cylinders, you might want to avoid getting behind at all. Uh, So the point spread for the game is bears by four. And the over-under is low again, 41 and a half. So what okay. do we think? But uh, I just want, before I make my uh, pick, last week it was two and a half, but somehow um, our friend Danny Parkins was bragging that he got two and therefore pushed thanks to the whole back and forth with the, <laughs> the the penalty on the extra point and then the Bears penalty on the missed you know, extra point. I'm you know. still- I'm still the officiating was terrible in that game. I'm still really pissed that the the Broncos were backed up five yards on the the two point attempt. Yep. On their for on the when they had the penalty and then they missed the extra point. There right. was an offside. They shouldn't it have moved no. the ball like the, the ball should have moved up like five yards from from it, where it the, has something to do with the, the fact that it was an the fact that it was an untimed down. Yeah, I think is really the the, the sort of central force well, in that decision. So Dean Blandino tried to explain it during the Bears' final drive. He's sitting there giving this ponderous explanation of why <laughs> why it went from the it went from the two, then it, w- it could have been from the seven, but then they decided to kick the extra point instead. So then they had to move it back, and then when there was a penalty on the Bears, they could they could basically undo the the penalty before it and he had some explanation for why it would have then been half the distance to goal from the two which didn't make any sense but apparently they did it right that ball really should have been on the one and it was on the one okay um, but if you listen to dean a nobody was paying attention to him because the bears were frankly trying to get into field goal range and b he's dean blandino and you know he you can't expect him to actually speak in coherent sentences long enough to get what his point is. They needed to drag, they needed to knock the Tito's vodka out of Mike Pereira's hand and have him <laughs> explain it. No, so I'm going under, I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't mean to display any lack of faith, um, but I'm, you know, bear, bear, I can't, I still can't believe the bears are giving four points. I'm taking the, I'm going the bears and the, I'm going the Redskins and the under. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I'll actually take the Bears to cover. 
Um, I'm going to pick the under, though. They're not going to score for it. I'm going to say Bears 24, Washington 10. I do think the offense actually does something this week because, I mean, it's the last chance. In general, Mitch has beat up on below average defenses in his career and been horrible against average to good defenses. And the Red, the Washington definitely qualifies as a bad defense. That they're they're allowing an opposing passer rating of like a hundred and thirty two point one through two games so far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Bears offense gets a little bit on track this week, but I'm still gonna say the total points come in below forty one just because I I don't think Washington gets more than about ten points. I'm, Andy, did you say four or four and a half? Four. Okay. I'm sticking with my pick. Yeah, I'm going to take, because um, I'm a complete homer, I'm going to take the Bears to cover. And I'm going to go over, because I think that, I think the offense will actually do some things. And I have a feeling the defense is good for at least seven points. So yeah, I think they, they, did, can, they didn't deliver last week. And 41 and a half is low. The the Whatever it was last week, 42, 40. I think. 42. To be fair, was, Mike, they actually, they actually did deliver, but uh, the umpire car, the refs called... Uh, Kyle Fuller out of bounds oh, and down. Yeah, definitely neither. That was a crazy. That was a weird play. I, I I wonder if his knee still touched the ground though. Are you sure it didn't? It's. I watched it. I, yeah, I, I didn't. It did not look like it to me. No, when you watch him, there's a still that somebody sent me because I was bitching about it, where it looked like his knee was down. But when you watch the, if you just watch the video of it, it doesn't really look like his knee gets that close. I, and he certainly thought. I mean, he didn't want to run an extra 100 yards in altitude, <laughs> and he wasn't going to stop. He's like, screw it, I scored. Um, you know, and that's the, the refs, again, um, you know, inconsistently applying the mechanics that they're supposed to, which is if it's close, you let it go because it's a, that's a booth review, and you can just yeah. undo it. But if, if he scores you and, you, and you blow the whistle, you can't undo yeah. that, and you, you can't, can't give the Bears a touchdown. Yeah. So, so okay. Damn yeah. it, the Bears would have covered. And they would have gotten the defensive touchdown that we talked about. Yes, that was a that was a hell of a play by Fuller. Was it, that it, kid. Was a, it was a third down play too, wasn't it? Yeah, it's third and goal, and he yeah he play. broke on that. He read the play, he broke on it, and the just the vision and the ball skills to to haul that in, really impressive. I I if I was. I was really surprised Vic went for two, not because I didn't think Vic would have the balls to go for two, but it. I can't imagine that he really thought if that game went to overtime that Mitch was any threat to actually yeah, get points. It just seemed the like the Bears are tired. You've worn them out. Tie it. Even if you don't win the toss, you're you're going to get the ball back, and chances are you're going to get the ball back with the Bears having not scored, and then a field goal just wins it. That, that might be very the, odd to me. That might be the only conditions under which I'd go. I, I, nine, nine times out of ten, I always say go for the points because – there's your, you have to make a play right. to win the game anyway. And they're still, you got your two yards away from to this. I'm so mad to this day that Nagy did not go for two against the Giants last year. I was like, you really you you want I, to put your money yeah. on a clearly winded defense and Chase Daniel putting a drive I, together? Just go for two. Just go for two right there. Yeah, I say outside of having a stuttering Mitch Trubisky, um, you know, dancing around in the backfield, I almost always say go for two because again, at some point you have to make a play to win the game. What better chance than from you know two yards out? Well, and how about how about Vic's Broncos on the two point conversion play running the Golden Tate play? 
because Vic's like, <laughs> Vic's like, I know they can't stop it because we couldn't stop it when I was there, and I don't think they've changed it. I mean, I think Nagy's head would have literally exploded had that game ended with that two-point conversion on the same play, and then the Bears missing a field goal. Double doink. Yes. I really yeah, thought, my, I thought Eddie was going to go triple doink. You my, know, my, go, my from, go from upright to crossbar <laughs> to upright, and then out. Like that old Larry Bird commercial from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, my my thought while watching the last torturous ten minutes of that game was, uh, you know, if they lose this game, do I have to do this every week? That that was my thought. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad they, I'm glad they saved the podcast for you. For I'm not going to be sitting yeah. here in a cold, dark November, you know, and the two and seven Bears are, you know, playing out the string. So I'm glad they won for that. So. Yeah, that was the that was one thing that came up to me after they lost the opener. And I was like, geez, when I just had my blog, whenever I was pissed, I just didn't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Do those recaps after every game, but if you go back, there's really not that many recaps of the losses because yeah. I was too pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, we'll have another win to talk about next week. So, uh, yeah, good talk. job, guys. Thanks a lot, and. Yeah, uh, We'll see you guys next week. All right. Go Bears. All right.